It's the weekend, and while our daughter is at my mom's, Sean and I are at home with our son. Sean is prepping afternoon snacks when I bring up something that's been bothering me. No, what I want to do is um, quarterly, quarterly goals, goals, right? Like we have our, our annual goal of what we want to do in sales. That's pretty much all we have. While we're slowly getting better at communicating, there are many moments where I feel like Sean and I are not on the same page. But not actually a proper plan for the year. So, Dion, he's so goofy. Sean is a doer. He constantly puts things into motion. He has an idea. He does it. Another idea. He does it. I'm a methodical planner. I have to know the big picture. I need to be able to answer the question, what's the point? Once I understand the big picture, I can then make steps towards reaching my goal. There are benefits for being a doer or a planner, and you need both in an organization. Planners can make action plans, but you can't leave it up to them to execute because the act of planning itself feels like execution. Doers do. And if you only have doers, they'll keep doing whatever it is they're doing without knowing if it's even worth doing. And that's what's been happening between us. Sean's been doing a lot of virtual keynotes, especially after a recent Forbes article came out identifying him as the best virtual keynote speaker. And in between, Sean's been trying to make content for DMSK's social media and YouTube channel. We did discuss creating content for our channels before trying to push sales. But my idea for creating content was methodical, where I thought we would focus on creating evergreen content, content that people would want to look at no matter how old it became. But in reality, Sean's content strategy is, let's make a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. And because Sean's strategy is really different than what I thought we were gonna do, I want us to get onto the same page. I want us to remember what our goal is for the year so we can focus and move towards it. I think we need to have a discussion of like the bigger goals of here's the quarterly target. Did we reach it or not? And I think that's going to actually push us forward because right now we're just doing these tiny things without like a proper plan. Like one, we need to figure out from our annual target, which right now is just revenue work our way backwards are you serious and based on this conversation we obviously need the focus from dmsk i'm deepa masuria and you're listening to thousand miles the podcast series documenting my journey as an entrepreneur where i give you a glimpse into the things entrepreneurs deal with but don't actually talk about I'm going to take you back in time a bit to a meeting Sean and I had when we first started talking about our one-year goal. So is if this is official year one, we last year had a goal of having at a break-even by the end of the year. And our goal was... And I don't even remember if that was profit or revenue. I think it was revenue. Revenue, do we think is appropriate? 
or not? I think that depends on how we can get more products. If it's only a beard fix, then potentially, I mean, if beard fix is a sleeper hit, we have no idea if, the, if this is going to be a juggernaut or not. It could be, I believe in it. But at this point we should say revenue. Okay. Although we started working on DMSK in 2020, with all the random lockdowns due to COVID cases rising in the city and business conferences going virtual, Sean's virtual speaking engagement started ramping up in the fall, which meant less time for us to strategize for DMSK. We did have a discussion on our revenue target for the year, but I want to revisit our initial discussion. You've heard me talk about our first product, Beard Fix, before. It's a color gel formulation that covers gray strands of hair on your beard for the day. We like the product because it's a solution to an issue. It's a quick cover-up for men who have noticeable white strands of hair on their beards, but not enough white strands to warrant dyeing the whole beard. It's a temporary, it's a very temporary solution. It is a temporary solution, but I still think that it is a solution. No, I've been using it consistent. I still use it every day. Well, that's I, what I'm talking about. Like, I, I don't want to discount our first product because the fact of the matter is you use it. I use it every single day and I find value in it. And But I, I agree, it's not the we only need product. To be very, yeah, we need to be very clear on it. And obviously, yeah. as I've been using it, I can be very um, yeah, clear on it. So Although we like Beard Fix... We know we probably can't build an entire company around it. Some of the issues we've discussed before around the product is shipping. If you look at our e-commerce analytics, there are a lot of people who drop off on the transaction once they see a shipping cost added to the total. We did discuss adding the cost of shipping to our product, so it looks like it's free shipping to the consumer. But the product is $25 US, which is a reasonable price. If we added the shipping on top of that, the price doesn't feel reasonable anymore. So to tackle the issue of shipping, we are giving customers free shipping if they order more than $50 in Canada or over $100 in the US. But that would mean someone would have to buy two Beard Fix products in Canada or four in the US to make it free shipping, which is probably not going to happen since it's a product most men haven't even heard of. We're guessing that if there were more products to choose from, complementary products to Beard Fix, customers might be more willing to purchase a few things just to get the free shipping. Okay, so now that leads me to another question, which is, like, I've already done the research for doing beard oil as, like, our secondary beard um, product. So that's something that we can easily introduce fairly quickly as well. Yeah. Um. So we can do that this year. So in addition to Beard Fix, we think Beard Oil could be a complementary product, which might entice people to buy more than one item to get free shipping, at least in Canada. The only issue is that we never want to become a company that was known for beard products. But we already knew that our company is not, is not necessarily focused on the beard stuff. It's going to be focused on... Um, like skincare and yeah. everything else, basically anything that um, is underlooked for men, right? Yeah. I think we agree that the beard world is like oversaturated, oversaturated, competitive. but the skincare is not. Well, the 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 actual makeup piece is the is where the white space exists. In 2012, one of Sean's best friends, Zeeshan, 
was working for the Edmonton Oilers. At the time, the Oilers' sister company was covering the Cricket World Cup games in a show called The Cricket Report. This aired across the country, and Zishan, who was a big fan of cricket, had the opportunity to be one of the sports commentators for the show. He invited a few of us to watch one of his tapings at the studio. We were super excited. He gave us a tour of the building, showing us scaffolds full of decades worth of footage of Edmonton Oilers games, amongst a bunch of other cool behind the scenes stuff. What I didn't expect was to see Zishan's dressing area with a counter full of makeup. It made sense though. He, just like actors and news anchors, wear makeup before going on air. After Zichan got ready, I was shocked. Don't get me wrong, he's a good-looking guy, but with makeup on, I was convinced all guys should wear makeup. I mean, Zichan's skin looked flawless. I was jealous. Sean and I have always thought about introducing makeup for men. Not to the same level that Zichan had to wear for the show, but simple items to help cover up issues like acne scars or dark circles. That being said, although we know there are some men already doing this, we also know they're doing it without telling people, because there's still a stigma around men wearing makeup. I agree. I mean, there are companies out there that are doing it, but I feel like... The skincare is definitely open for... It's an open season too. Yeah, I I like the skincare only because we both believe in it because we both do it. We both have like bad skin and it's worked for us, right? To to help us and I think coming from that perspective, it's authentic, right? Yeah. We believe in it because we do it and we see the benefits of it. I think if we are targeting the North American market for men, I don't necessarily think that makeup is something that we introduce this year because I, I think from a cultural standpoint, I don't think men are there yet. No. I think like in Europe they are, but over here I think I still think it's going to take a few more years for guys to get comfortable with the idea of using it. I agree. So, I I think definitely that is something that is a long-term thing but not for 2021. Although I think offering makeup for men is still early, Alex Rodriguez did just announce a partnership with Hims for a product called Blur Stick, which is a concealer for men. So the trend of makeup for men is starting, but we're still planning on waiting. Do we want to, you know, start with Beard Fix, maybe add the beard oil, and then later on in this year, like maybe the summer, add a skincare product or two? Yeah. Is it the people that do the ordinary? When I was pregnant with my daughter, I knew I wasn't supposed to use certain skincare ingredients because of the potential risk to the fetus. But rather than looking into what I could use, I basically stopped using everything. And with my hormones going crazy during pregnancy and even after giving birth, my skin was a wreck. So when I started my skincare research, I first went to the beauty section of Shoppers Drug Mart, which carries all sorts of health and beauty products. And I asked the lady in the beauty department what I should be using. She asked me, well, what are you using right now? And I was like, just whatever cream I use for my hands. And I will never forget the look on her face. It was a look like, you poor thing. And I felt so stupid. I mean, 
there's no course in school that teaches you how to deal with your skin. Besides watching my mom use oil of Olay as a child, that was the extent of my skincare knowledge. So I felt like an idiot. It made me feel like I was supposed to know this stuff, but I didn't. And I know there's a huge industry for women around this, but there isn't for men. So if I feel like an idiot asking for help, where I, as a woman, have a plethora of choice for skincare products, I can only imagine how intimidating it would be for men who don't. Anyway, after doing my own research, I found a company called The Ordinary. It's a Canadian company who offers skincare products, but don't charge much for it. Some of their stuff seemed to work for me, and it was a good introduction towards my understanding of skincare. Since then, I've moved on to try different brands, and Sean started noticing. And Sean doesn't notice anything, so for him to notice my skin was improving was a big deal. I assessed Sean's skin and bought a few products for his skin type, showing him exactly how to use the products. Since then, Sean's become a bit obsessed with his skincare routine. Now when boxes of Sephora products show up at her door, it's not for me. And for us, though, I think the one thing that The Ordinary doesn't have, which is what I think we need to do, is they are unisex, but I would guess that it's predominantly women. Yes. Whereas for us, you didn't understand about them until I introduced you to them. Yeah. And I told you the order of start with this, then use this, then no, use absolutely. this. And, and I had to teach you that component. And I think that's what's going to differentiate us is not only having a great product, but giving them, giving guys the understanding of what to do and trying to simplify it for them. So that was our initial discussion. Okay. Now, let's go back to the conversation at the beginning of this episode, where I was trying to remind Sean of our initial plan. He seemed to be on board, and now it's time to execute. What I didn't anticipate, though, was how yes, I'm Sean wanted it, but to I execute. Think what you are missing in this plan is room for some big bets. I have this crazy, crazy, crazy idea. Just, I just hear me out. I've been, I've been talking to our our team about it, and. I honestly think that if we can pull this off, it will literally change the trajectory of the brand. Because right now we're, we're playing like mediocre. We're running ads. Okay, but you're the one who's running marketing. I agree. And you need to build small jabs, but you also need big swings. So and you're saying that I have the a big jabs that you're making are... Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. I'm saying you haven't taking account the big jab and i have one big jab that is going to literally put a dent into the world okay that's a very big statement well don't you think it's a big jab it's a big dent yeah but have you ever done this big jab or whatever you think you're gonna do before? No, I've never done it before. Well, then how do you know it's gonna work? I don't. So, what is it? And how much is this gonna cost? Well, that wraps it up for season one of the Thousand Miles podcast. 
Over the next few months, I'll be recording how we've been executing and the results of that. So season two is going to start in September and we'll see how things go. I hope you like this podcast. And if you do, tell a friend, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And I'll talk to you soon in season two of Thousand Miles. <laughs>